Okay, and when you get to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, say, word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is the word of the Lord. Well, yes and amen. Thanks again for being with us today. We are in a series entitled, through the month of May, May We Honor. And I just want to lay something in front of you. Each week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be learning who to honor, how to honor them. Last week, we defined it. We'll do a little bit of review here in a little bit. But one of the fundamental ways that the scriptures say that we can honor God is actually um, through our finances, and so what's incredible is that Jesus, if I preached like Jesus, I would actually preach once a month on money because Jesus said this, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And we've had a massive new influx of people, new families, new Christians, new converts, people getting connected. And so one of the things we want to do is provide you an opportunity for you to literally, um, the scriptures say that you can test God in this area. And so coming up at the end of the month on May 29th, we're going to be having a May We Honor offering. Now listen, if you're a first time guest, you're not plugged in, this isn't for you. We just want you to sit back and see who we are as a church. But if you are a covenant member of Westside and you declare this church your home, what this is, is this offering will push us towards our year end to meet our budget and all of those things. There is a lot of ministry that is happening here at Westside. And we say this, ministry does does not follow money. Money follows ministry. And so what we want to do is provide you with an opportunity. Listen, if you have been blessed through this church, if this church has provided something for you or loved on you, this is an opportunity for you to give back. We're asking you as families to pray about this. Ask the Lord what amount he would have you to give so you can lay this before God and say, through our money, we are declaring that money is not our God, but you are. And so that's May 29th. That's going to be coming up. And so we're in this series, May We Honor. And today is Mother's Day. So welcome to all the women of Westside. We have a strong women's ministry here. You've heard me say this over and over again. Westside would have closed its doors many years ago if it was not for the faithful praying women of this church who continued in the ministry that God had given them. And as I was doing some research this week, I came across a pretty important date. March 8th, 2018, something pretty incredible happened. One of the largest restaurants in the world, not not just the nation in the world changed up their logo and on March 8th McDonald's actually flipped the golden arches um, that stood for M for the McDonald's they flipped it to the W in order to honor all women who either worked at their stores and to honor all women in the nation and what actually caught my attention they even did it on the fry boxes man that's really cool right um, what caught my attention was the lead communication officer said this in celebration of women everywhere and for the first time in our brand's history we have flipped our iconic arches for International Women's Day. Here it is. 
in honor of the extraordinary accomplishments of women everywhere, and especially in our restaurants. From restaurant crew management to our C-suite, our senior leadership, women play an invaluable role at all levels, and together with our independent franchise owners, we are committed to their success. We honor all women. Did you catch it? It was in there twice. Honor. The word honor. And so we started last week and we said this. We said that honor is the act of holding people and positions in high value. That's what the word honor means. We learned that it's used over and over in Scripture. And, and we were even so bold as to say this, that honor is the missing ingredient in all relationships. If you want to take your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your family members, with your coworkers, to the next level, learn what honor is. And, and we said the reason why Christians honor people and hold honor in such a high esteem is because we said this, that Christians honor all people because all people are created in the image and likeness of God. That's a big, big deal. We said that Christians and Christianity spread under the Roman Empire is because we didn't just honor people in high places. We didn't just honor people who were wealthy. We didn't just honor people who were deserving of it. We honored all people in all places because all people are created in the image and likeness of God. That's what we learned last week as to what honor was. This week, I want to talk about who we are supposed to honor. When you survey the scriptures, the scriptures are very clear about who we honor. So I want to run through this list, and then we're going to talk about what it looks like to honor a very fundamental relationship in our life. So the first relationship, obviously, that we honor is we honor God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says, If you honor me, I will honor you. All through the Psalms, we see that God is honored through the praise of his people. That what we just did in our service, listen, there's a reason why we do what we do here at Westside. It's not just stand up, sing a song, sit down, say a prayer. It's not just any of that stuff. We do what the Bible tells us. And what we just did is we sung praises to God and we lifted up up his name and we said God we honor you in the highest position of our life that we are to honor God and actually what we're going to learn next week is the fundamental reason that society is what it is in Romans chapter 1 it says um, the reason why the world operates like it does is because it does not honor God for who he is so we honor God. Secondly is this, we honor our parents. And all of the parents said, yes, this is a great sermon, right? You're elbowing your kids. Are you listening to Pastor Jason today, right? Um, we're going to learn in just a minute why this is so important and where this comes from. Um, this is in God's top 10 in the commandments. The word honor is used. And then it's one of the only 10 commandments that's carried over into the New Testament. In the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul just quoted that verse. And it's interesting, he says, for this is right. And then this is one of the only commandments that comes with the promise. That it actually says, when you honor your parents, 
It will go well for you in life. And so in just a minute, we're going to see what that is. So we honor God, we honor our parents, and then thirdly, you honor your spouse. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we've preached on these verses a number of times. It says that wives are to honor their husbands, and husbands are to honor their wives, to hold them in high value. Did you know something that will change your marriage? Hey, listen, this isn't even in my notes. This is just for free today, okay? Um, That instead of bearing down on your spouse's weakness, right? You're like, man, we're going there. We're not even 10 minutes in the sermon. Goodness gracious, right? Instead of bearing down and magnifying your spouse's weakness, the Bible actually says that you want to change your marriage. Talk about their strengths. Honor them for what they do in the marriage, for who they are. Why did you marry them? Why did you choose them? Listen, I'm telling you, if you want to change your marriage today, through your actions and through your words, hold your spouse in a high position of value. And I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, you don't know what he does when he comes to the hand. Okay, okay. Listen, listen. Everybody's got a story. Everybody can justify anything. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to trust God and to take Him at His word. Trust Him. If you begin to do this this week, like just make a covenant with yourself. Once a day this week, I'm not going to magnify their weakness. I'm going to magnify their strengths. And I'm going to honor my spouse. And I'm telling you, your marriage will change this week. Um, The fourth relationship is to honor your children as well. Interesting. Um, The Apostle Paul says in those verses... In, in verse 4, he actually says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And oftentimes, as parents, um, we fall into a ditch. And, and the ditch is this. Um, we demand what we do not extend. Okay? So oftentimes as parents, we are very good at demanding honor and demanding, uh, and you listen to me and, and how but rather we do not extend that same thing to our children. Um, Did you know how you can train your children to be um, repentant people who learn to say sorry for grievous sins and seek out forgiveness? Um, Is for you to ask for forgiveness from your children. Um, If you want a lesson in humility, just bow your knee to a seven-year-old and say, hey... um, Dad blew it today. That's a way in which we honor our children. But what's interesting particularly when we look at the Ten Commandments, right, which was God's top ten. He saves Israel out of slavery and captivity, and then he says, because you are my people, now I want you to live this way. Listen, at Westside, we make a big deal about this, okay? Because it's the fundamental difference between religion and the gospel. Here's what religion says. God did not come to the people of Israel and say, hey, listen, you're in captivity, you failed, you did not obey me but if you do these 10 things if you do these 10 things then I'll come in and then I'll save you God did not do that because that is religion and here's what religion says if I obey then I will be accepted and so religion loves rules it's always conditional 
It's always, um, well, I think, I think you can get into heaven if you don't drink, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? I'm pretty sure that that's somewhere in there in the original Hebrew, okay, or something like that. But the reality is, is the gospel says this, you are accepted in Christ, therefore you are free to obey. As one band says, you are not struggling to be free, you are free to struggle. And religion doesn't know what to do with that. It doesn't know what to do with people that are in process. So in religious environments, what you have is the external looks great. Jesus said to the Pharisees, on the outside, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You look great, but on the inside, you are filled with dead men's bones. And here's what's dangerous is this creeps into church environments. How are you doing today? Doing fine. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Mm-mm-mm, right? And inside, you are filled with so much anxiety, you can't sleep at night. But I can't say that because what will they think of me? Hey, newsflash, they ain't sleeping either. And so at what point are we free in the grace that God has given us? But theologians have long broken this list down into two categories. And I want you to see this. The first four commandments are vertical. They deal directly with God. Martin Luther says that actually the first commandment all other commandments hinge on, which is you shall have no other gods before me. It all flows from there. And so what John Calvin, the great reformer, said is the human heart is an idol factory, and we are constantly producing false gods to put in the place of God. So have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Verse 4, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All of those deal directly with God. But then the fifth commandment is a pivot. Everything changes from the fifth commandment because now it deals with other people. That's why when Jesus was asked by the lawyer, like this lawyer tried to pinpoint Jesus, and he said, "Um, Jesus, which commandment is the greatest? Um, And it actually says in Luke's gospel, he said this to test him, like dun, dun, dun. Like what's Jesus going to say? Because if he says the wrong answer, we're going to nail him to the wall. And Jesus, man, in just great fashion says, "Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And they were like, gosh, golly, he did it. That's a a great answer is what that is. He He just tweeted the Ten Commandments. That was a great answer. Because you cannot do one without the other. So you cannot have no other gods before you and love um, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then hate a certain group of people. It doesn't work that way. And, and you can't love people but say, you know, I, I got some problems with the big man. It doesn't work that way. Um, one theologian by the name of Tim Chalice in his book, The Commandment We Forget, says this about the fifth commandment. Notice, the first four deal with God. They're vertical. But starting with the fifth, it becomes horizontal. But who does the fifth commandment deal with? parents. Now think about this. 
Think about the development of a child's life. The first major relationship that you have is with your mom and dad. That's the first reflection of a relationship that you see. And Tim Chalice says this, Believers have long divided the Ten Commandments into two groups or two tables. The first group explains our duty toward God, and the second explains our duty toward our fellow man. This commandment falls squarely between the two, and in that way reminds us that our parents have unique roles in our lives. Our parents are God's divine representatives to us so that when we honor and obey our parents, we honor and obey God. There is no obedience or love to God without obedience and love towards our parents. If we remove this commandment, we undermine all ten of them. We have fallen into a serious, dangerous path of disobedience. This is how serious the commandment is, is that it hinges this. So if we could bring all of this together, the definition of honor and today's passage, the big idea is very simply this. Um, we honor God by honoring our parents. I mean, it... It really is that fundamental and that easy to break down. And I know what some of you are saying. You're kind of arguing with the preacher a little bit. I get that. That's okay. Um, and you're like, why? I mean, are you serious? Like, I'm, like, when I honor my parents, you say that like I'm honoring the God that created the universe? Like, how are you connecting those dots? I'm so glad you asked. I have a few Bible verses for you, okay? Um, because the Bible actually teaches um, that no one's ever seen God. No one has ever seen the Father. Look at what it says in John 1. No one's ever seen God. It's just right there, right? You're like, he does this for a living? Yes, I do, okay? Um, no one's seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So at Westside, we have this saying that it's all about Jesus. Do you know why? Because we don't get to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and go, hmm, I wonder what God is like. I wonder if um, blah, 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 blah. The Bible says, look at Jesus. Um, man, I wonder how God would deal with sexual sin or a grief. Um, look at Jesus and the woman caught in the act of adultery. Like, here's how we say it. God is like Jesus. So the Father, we see the Father through the Son. But no one has ever seen God. I mean, the Bible has crazy things to say about it. Like that God dwells in unapproachable light. What's that? I don't know, but look up at the sun this afternoon and then like go blind for a few seconds or something. The Bible says that God is in radiant holiness and that no one can look upon him and live. That's how perfect and holy he is. Thank goodness for Jesus. Amen. So no one's seen God. But then John, later on in his letters, would be so bold as to say this. He would say, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He's a liar. <laughs> I, I just love the Bible, right? Like any questions, anyone, right? Because in the original language, the word liar means big fat liar, okay, right? 
I guess just it means what it says, okay? Enough philosophizing of the Bible. It means what it says. That he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. So, so um, in Cicero's um, uh, 50 things of an argument, ethos, pathos, and logos, what I'm actually doing now is I'm establishing the argument. That's what it's called, okay? Um, here's what I'm meaning. You honor the God above you by honoring the person beside you. You honor the God above you by honoring the person beside you. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why relationships and how we treat one another are such a big deal. You cannot say that I love God and I have, well, well, pastor, it's just me and the Lord. It's just, well, that's actually a private matter between me and the Lord because we have our own personal, eh, wrong. Because to love God is to love people. And to love people is to love God. Do you know what I think would be such a great slogan for a church that would just drive people crazy? Is if it said like, West Side Church, where we love people second. <laughs> people would be like, ugh, can you believe that? Right, because here we love God first. Because if you want to torpedo your relationships, love them first. If you want to ruin a marriage before it starts, place all your expectations on that person and desire them to fulfill it. And Jerry Maguire lied because nobody completes nobody, okay? We love God first. And through that love, we learn to love each other. And we love each other and can only extend the grace and forgiveness by the grace and forgiveness that we have received from the Father. So, this looks different in different seasons of our life. The more and more I have conversations with people who have children, um, who have parents, and now they're sort of like adult children, and now they have like adult parents, it's kind of like this awkward like, okay, this is weird. Like, what do I do? Do I like obey you now? Because I'm 37. And so like, like what does this look like? So, I want to run through what it looks like to honor parents in certain seasons of your life, okay? So, so the first one is this. Um, in childhood, we honor our parents through obedience. And all the parents said? Amen, Amen right? Amen. Um, listen, this is it. This is fundamental. And parents, can I just say something to you? Okay, can I just... Everybody's going to get mad at me, but that's fine. You can send me an email. I won't read it. Okay, it's great. Um, <laughs> it is good and it is right and it is commanded by God for you to require obedience from your children. They're going to be okay, all right? Kids are super resilient. You can drop them on the head. Well, not really. Don't do that. But like, they're super resilient, okay? But it is good and right for you to require obedience from your children. Your number one job as a parent in childhood is in a loving grace-filled, forgiving, peaceful way to establish that you are the authority. Okay? So I'm, I'm showing my old school colors here, all right? But in this new age of like, well, we just let them kick. No, you do not. Okay? That, no, right? This is good and right. Do you know why? Luke chapter 2, verse 52. 
And Jesus grew in obedience to his parents. Like, what was that like? Like, imagine Mary talking to the other moms. Like, some of the moms are like, my kid's on honor roll. Mary's like, my kid's God, you know? (laughs) My kid's perfect. Well, my kid's actually really perfect, you know? Like, wow. But that verse is crazy because it's the humanity and divinity side of God. Jesus did this. It is good and right. Now, when we get in through early independence stage, you honor your parents through respect, okay? So now this is not like, now they can feed themselves, right, okay? They can get themselves dressed. Like, maybe this is like high school, college, all of that stuff. This is inviting your parents into major decisions in your life, respecting their authority, respecting their opinion. Hey, mom and dad, you've, you've been walking this earth. You've bought a house before. You've bought a car before. You've done these things. What do you think about cryptocurrency, right? All of this type of stuff, right? And you do that through respect of honoring them and holding their opinion and their position in high value. And then into adulthood, it looks like this. We honor them by appreciating them and then providing for them. So this is lost in our society. But actually, if you go to other cultures and go to other countries, do you know why COVID was so devastating to France? Because in some homes, there were four or five generations of people living in one home. It was understood that when my parents needed care, we provided that for them. And so this is what it looks like into adulthood. I think these are a number of seasons. Now, I need to pause here and do a little bit of work, okay? I've been in the game long enough to know that some of you have not heard anything that I've said because the relationship that hurt you the most was that relationship of your parents. So the question that you are asking is this, how do I honor someone who's hurt me? I mean, this is abuse. I mean, I looked up some statistics this week and I just thought, goodness gracious, it's disintegrating. It's evaporating. This is supposed to be the safest place. Now, I'm not talking about um, parents who are learning to parent, who love Jesus, but and we're going to talk about in a minute. I mean, parents, it's impossible for you not to wound your children to some degree because we've all sinned and fallen short. I'm talking about grievous abuse and hurt, what does that look like for me? And I wish that I could just like tie it up in a bow for you. And the reality is I'm going to say something that you might not hear a lot of other pastors say. But when it comes to your particular situation, I don't know. But I do know this, that when you can't honor the person, you can honor their position. Okay? If a person is not honorable, I mean no characteristics of good, of light, there's manipulation, there's deception, there's hurt, there is pain, and out of protection of yourself and your children, you cannot engage into that. But what we see in the scriptures 
is that when God says that Christians should honor and pray for the emperor, that was the same emperor that was burning Christians alive in their garden. And so what we see is that God is saying, live differently. Even though the person is not honorable, you can honor the position because here's why. When you honor the position, you honor me. You're not doing it for the sake of the person. You're doing it for the sake of God, for who He is and how He has seen this fit. So what I want to do really quickly is I just want to run through six ways that adult children can honor their adult parents. I really believe that the Lord led me here this week as surveying our church and as we have young parents who have young kids. We've done tons of sermons on that. You can find that on our website. But what does it look like now? I'm 35, 45, 50, and I've got adult parents, and, and this honor thing still doesn't have a time frame on it. There's no expiration date. It's not like honor your parents, and then when you're 12, you're good. It's like, no, 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 this does not have an expiration date. What does this look like? Well, the first thing is this. Um, I think you can give them forgiveness. We're just starting right out of the gate, okay? Now, we've done a lot of work on forgiveness here. Here's what I'm not saying. For those of you who um, maybe had parents that it was an unsafe environment for you to be in, what I'm not saying is reconciliation, People get this confused all the time. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. So if two people are at odds with one another, reconciling means to bring back together from both parties. I'm not saying that, though I do hope and pray that through the power and the grace of God that can happen. But it starts here first. In Luke 23, we see Jesus getting nails driven into his hands. And he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is pain in forgiveness. And so if you are trying to forgive without it being painful, you don't understand forgiveness. Because forgiveness is absorbing the debt that they owe you. Forgiveness is freeing the person from the obligation that they owe you. And that is painful. But a way that you can honor them is starting there. Because now some of you know that when you left the hospital with that baby... They didn't give you no book. Like, I remember with, with our firstborn buckled in, and they checked the car seat. And that's a super judgy experience, by the way, right? When the nurse is, like, checking in, I'm like, I feel super judged as a person right now, right? And then they're like, you're good. You know, you can go. And then I remember buckling and shutting the car and turning to the nurse, and she goes, well, we'll see you. I was like, you're not coming to my house? Like, you're not going to go with me? This is a human here, right? Right? It doesn't come with a booklet. And for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so I think it starts by offering forgiveness in that area. The second area is this, to give them grace. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It talks about letting our speech be seasoned with salt. Ephesians chapter 2 says, for by grace we have been saved. Please listen to me. If you are someone 
who puts stipulations on your relationships. Now, I'm not talking boundaries. Boundaries are massively helpful and good and healthy, okay? So if you're a grown woman who is married, you don't call and confide into your mother first and foremost to help process about your husband, okay? You can send me an email. I ain't going to read it. That's fine, okay? Um, Because... It is right that therefore a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. But here is what I am saying. Boundaries are healthy. But if you put stipulations on relationships and say, you have to do X, Y, and Z, and then we can do this. All I'm telling you is that you will crush that relationship before it ever flourishes. Boundaries are healthy. A contract is anti-gospel. You can give grace. Because as Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. The third point is this. We can honor our adult parents by giving them affirmation. Um, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, um, I have never seen in Hobby Lobby. Let's just put it that way, okay? Um, Because it says, a disobedient son should be dragged to the city gates and stoned to death. And it's not a Willie Nelson kind of stoned, okay? Right? I'm talking like rocks up in this thing. You're like, goodness, what in the world? There's a huge context. I don't have enough time to get into that. But then it says later on, to honor those who are older and in positions um, of honor and authority in the family. And what I mean by give them affirmation is to speak well of them in public and in private, but also affirm them. Like, like what would it look like for you? I'll never forget one of our kids one time had an accident. We thought their eye was, was scratched and, and we were super concerned. So we were going to the hospital and my parents happened to be with me. And I remember having a conversation with my dad. And I remember saying, I think I get it. You love me this much. Like I, like, I think I understand now. You love me this, what I'm holding and what I love, I think I can kind of understand that now. And so what would it look like for you through words of affirmation to say to your mother or your father, hey, I just realized you never had a dad growing up. Hey, I just realized your mom was an alcoholic. And mom, you loved me to the best of your abilities. You didn't have anybody else. And I just, I just want to tell you thank you on this Mother's Day. Thank you. What would that look like? How would that change relationships? We can honor them through affirmation. And then the next one is this. We can honor them by giving them thanks. The gauge of a mature heart is always gratitude in the New Testament. Always gratitude. The Apostle Paul, chained to a Roman guard in a prison cell. And he's like singing hymns. Amazing. They're like, hey, Paul, you're going to get your head cut off. He's like, praise be to God, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Like, they don't know what to do with this guy. And then he like converts everybody in the jail. Why? Because the Apostle Paul understood a powerful principle. That his circumstances did not dictate his attitude. Game changer. Do you know the maturity of a Christian is not determined by how much theology they know? Um, the maturity of a Christian is, is by how they respond when they don't get what they want. That's, that's the gauge 
And so can you be grateful in all circumstances? I, I read a statistic, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the estimation is, is that, and, and it was old, it was about 20 years old, that it cost somewhere around $250,000 to raise a child. Quarter of a million dollars, okay? Some of y'all are like, double it, okay? Double that, right? <laughs> Because I've got a kid who's working on that degree for the 12th year, okay, right? <laughs> the sacrifice, the all of that, what would it look like? Again, I'm just asking you questions today. The ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. But what would it look like for you to just simply say, um, I realize now that when you worked the 12-hour shift and you pulled in the driveway, and I was waiting on you with a baseball in my hand. And you didn't tell me no. I know what that means now. I know what that means now. And I just want to tell you thanks. Thanks for that. I think it's how we can honor our adult parents. The fifth thing, give them support. 1 Timothy 5.8 makes a very audacious claim. It says that um, a man who does not provide for his family is a worthless man. And, and literally what it's contrasting is, is a worldly man. So please don't, please, if you're grinding out and you're still struggling to pay bills, I'm not, that is not about you. I think sometimes men carry this guilt and shame of like, I got to provide. Dude, you're working hard, bro. It's tough. Life is hard, Okay. What it's contrasting is someone who is selfish and only thinks about themselves. So they meet their needs, not the needs of their family. But one of the things that we see is that is when our parents in the scriptures get older, the honorable thing to do is, is because they took care of you, you then take care of them. And, and can I just say something to some of you who I know for a fact you have even on the deathbed taking care of your parents, please listen to me. Your reward is great in heaven. When you kneeled to that bed and you had that wash rag and you filled that cup up with ice 10,000 times every single day and nobody saw it and you thought, where is the world? God was watching that and God will honor you because you were doing an honorable thing. An honorable thing. Great is your reward. And then the last thing is this. We can honor our adult parents by giving them time. Ephesians chapter 5 says, make the best use of your time. To make the best use. And I've learned this um, through my nanny. Lives in Kennett, 87 years old. She ain't never lived nowhere else her whole life. She's lived in Kennett for 87 years. That sounds like a death sentence, okay? Well, I'm just kidding, all right? She's a great woman. She's a great woman, Okay? Um, but like we just went and spent some time with them and like we didn't even do anything I sat in the living room as my grandpa watched Fox News for like 14 hours <laughs> I was like Lonnie what are you so mad turn that off man gosh okay we like ate, you know watermelon like woo and to call and to check in it's worth like a million dollars like that's the thing and do you know why it dawned on me it dawned on me in our Memento More series. Do you know why it's so precious? Because they hear the time ticking, and you don't. 
they go to bed every night with a low level of anxiety wondering if it's the last night. They wake up every day and there is a shadow that looms over. And so when we give time, and listen, of course you're busy. Join the club. Okay, join the club. You were able to go to the river. I'm, I'm not going to keep going there. Okay, I'm sorry, right? What I'm saying is this. Make the best use of your time. Do you know why? Um, our family has recently, you know, kind of, probably looking at me, you would not go, Jason's a country music fan, right, okay? You're probably like, I bet he likes some other stuff, okay? But I've grown to love country music because my family really enjoys that. I love a good story. I think country music tells a story like nobody else's business, okay? Um, but there's a recent song by the guy by the name of Cody Johnson. And, and, and the name of his hit single is called Till You Can't. And um, in the song, he says this, you can tell your old man You'll do some large mouth fishing another time. You just got too much on your plate to bait and cast the line. You, can't, you can always put a rain check in his hand until you can't. So take that phone call from your mama and just talk away because you'll never know how bad you want to until you can't someday. Don't wait on tomorrow because tomorrow may not show. Say your sorries, your I love you, because man, you never know. Interesting. Cody was singing that song all across the nation, and it was just a song to him. It was like, wow, this is great, but it was just a song. Cody Johnson and his wife boarded a private, a private plane to fly across the country to an awards ceremony. And on the way, they got caught in a storm. The plane stalled out for about 10 seconds and was in a free fall. And Cody Johnson and his wife thought that they were going to die, that they weren't going to make it. And he said that night when he began to play that song, it became real. And he understood. It's not just a song. Now listen, that's a powerful motivation. I can get you to cry. I can get you to maybe do a little something. And it'll last until about Thursday, and then the motivation's gone. What kind of motivation do you need? You need a gospel motivation. Did you know that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said only seven statements? In Roman crucifixion, you did not die because of the nails or the whips. You died due to asphyxiation. Because as you were nailed on the cross, your body sank down, collapsing your rib cage, and you would suffocate and die. And in order to take a breath, you would have to press on the nail that was through your feet and lift yourself up and catch a breath and then go back down. Jesus did that for about six hours on the cross, and he only said seven things. One of them was about his mama. And in John's gospel, it says this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. Of course. Of course. Like, please, please don't, don't put Mary in a stained glass window. Don't do that, okay? Maybe you were raised, but, but, but please listen to me. She was a woman of flesh and blood. And her baby... Her baby is getting beaten, getting cru... Some of y'all don't miss a soccer game, much less... I mean, this is a crew. Her baby is dying. 
Did Roman guards have to hold her back? I like to think so. His mother was there. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopius, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, talking to John. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Do you know what Jesus was doing? He was honoring his mother to literally his last breath. Take care of my mom. She's yours now. It's a gospel motivation. And do you know what the key to all of this is? Is not focusing on the relationship with your parents first. It's understanding this. The key to honoring your parents is to know that God has honored you as his child. Hey, young parents, do you know the key to being a good parent is? Is first understanding what it is to be a child of God. That's the key to it all. Because in John's gospel, it says this, that he gave them the right. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's who you are. So listen, in closing, we honor God by honoring our parents. And so as the band comes and leads us in a time of response, I have just a few applications to really bridge this gap for you today. Um, The first one is this. What does it look like for me to honor my parents today? Like, hey, listen, I know it's tough. Some of us have a tough situation. But like, just default to the day. It's Mother's Day. Okay, it's Mother's Day. What does it look like for you to honor your parents today? The second question is this. How can I honor someone who has hurt me? Maybe just start praying about it. Maybe that's the first step, okay? Maybe, maybe what if, what if the first step for you is that your prayer tomorrow, Monday morning, is God, I can't do this. Right now, I can't do this, but I'm just going to lay it before you, and can we talk about it? Can we start talking about it? And then the last thing is this. How can we as a family start to develop a culture of honor in our home? Young parents, please listen to this. Honor begins in the home. We're going to learn in a few weeks, how can we see society not honoring police officers or people in positions? It's because it starts in the home. It can be very practical things. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. I'll never forget when one of my uh, friends came over to my house one night, and we were eating dinner and hanging out, and my dad asked me to get something out of the refrigerator, and I said, yes, sir. And after dinner, um, we went into the bedroom, and he was like, bro, you called your dad sir. Like, are you okay? Do you get beat in this house? Like, are you? Sometimes, yes. Actually, yes, right? <laughs> like, and, I, and it didn't even daunt, like, it didn't daunt, like, to, it was just, yes, ma'am. Like, it just is what it is. Like, even if I'm in a fast food restaurant, it's like a 16-year-old girl behind the counter. I'm like, yes, ma'am, and she's like, creeper, <laughs> right? <laughs> but do you know why? It was just, it was a culture of it in our home. What does it look like for you as parents to require that from your children. Because we know this, that honoring our parents is honoring God. 
And the motivation for that is knowing that God has honored us through Christ. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you first and foremost recognizing that you are good. That you are a good Father. And that all of us in this room today recognize and confess that you are the only perfect parent. And so God, we ask for grace. God, for many people in this room today, today is painful. The sermon is hard. And God, I just ask for grace. I pray against the enemy, his workers, and their effects because the home matters. It starts in the home. It starts there. West Side. The health of West Side is dependent upon healthy homes. The, he the health of the culture is dependent upon healthy homes. So God, today... Here's what I pray specifically for. For somebody who leaves this service, gets in their car, pulls out their phone, and through watery, tear-filled eyes, sends a text message or makes the call. Holy Spirit, you are in that car. You are present. And what begins to happen, I believe, we will not be able to see on this side of eternity. God, I pray for relationships to flourish and to foster. God, I pray for those women who are weary of a world that beats them down, that has standards, that does this. And today, I pray that every woman within earshot of my voice hears my beloved daughter. You are loved. And I am well pleased, for your sins are forgiven, and I hold you in high value today. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.